Um, yeah, I'm going to carry on talking this morning um, about being engaged in battle. And you remember one of the things that, that we, we keep coming back to is that the battle has already been fought. But the enemy tries to lie to us and make us fight it again. And our confidence isn't in our ability to win a battle. Our confidence is in God. And our confidence remains in God and we trust him. And I, I've been looking at this story, um, the story of Jehoshaphat. And so if you want to turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. That's 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And I'm, I'm going to start, because I've, I've already talked about this story quite a bit, I'm going to start in the middle of it at verse 12. And in verse 12 they say this, O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And you know, um, at that time they were surrounded by all these uh, Ammonites and all the, all the ites, and there was, a, there was a great horde arrayed against them, and it looked like it was overwhelming. It looked like they couldn't stand, and, and you know, sometimes our lives can look like that. Things can just pile up. They might not be big things in and of themselves, but one by one they start to pile up, and it looks like... Man, I'm just getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back here. And, and we can learn something really important and really good from this. That, that what they did in that situation was that they, they said this, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on God. Our eyes are on you. And, and that's, that's such an important thing for us to learn because often, you know, we, we get in these situations or we can't, can't quite work out um, how to come through, how to win, how, to, how things are going to change, and our eyes are on us. And we need to get our eyes on God. You know, um, when we get, uh, we get help when we realise that we can't do it. That's the funny thing about the kingdom. The help comes when we face up to the fact we can't do it. You know, that's how we got saved in the first place. We realised we couldn't do anything to earn God's favour and we trusted in Jesus instead. And that's how, that, that's how God set the kingdom up. That when we realise we can't do it, that's when we get help because that's when we stand in grace. That's God's provision for his. His, his, um, his victory. And... In the Bible, it says that only the humble get help. It says God resists the proud, those that trust in themselves and their own abilities, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives help to the humble. And I, I kind of like, I was looking at that and I was thinking, well, why is it we find it so hard to admit that we don't have all the answers? Why is it that we try and figure everything out? Why is it that we try and solve every problem? Why is it that, that, that we limit ourselves in that way? You see, the truth is, I know the one who has all the answers. And he will do it. He will win. I've got nodding. I haven't got any amens. Come on, can we have some amens? Amen. He will win. Yeah. 
Yeah, you, can't, you know, you can't just go to sleep after the worship because it was a good worship set. You have to stay awake for me, you know. I need a bit of encouragement too. I haven't preached for two weeks. It might not be as long as Sarah hadn't worshipped like, but I haven't preached for two weeks. So come on, give me some encouragement. And, and the thing is, when you don't know what to do, you do the things you do know to do. You stand, you worship God, you praise God, you talk to God, you, 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 you listen to him, you get in the word. When you don't know what to do, you do what you know to do and the answers will come. Let's go on to verse 14. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jehiel, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. Yeah, I'm glad I got through that first. And he said, listen, all you Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. And we can learn some things. We can, we can see some things in that that enable us to see God in our battles. You know, when, when we feel that, that, that we're not getting that breakthrough, when we feel overwhelmed, what do we do? We take it to God. We set aside some time. You know, it would do us all a lot of good is that when we're having some, some challenges in life, we set aside some time to take it to God. And yet, we, we seem to spend most of our time trying to deal with the challenges instead of going to the one who has the answer to the challenges. And, and that's something we really need to learn from this. And, and when, we, when we're in that place of setting aside time, we present our need to God, then we wait. Now, it's important you hear that last bit, then we wait. We don't then go off and try and do it, try and fix it again. When we present our need to God, we wait for his answer. And, and we wait for what he's going to do because he's the one who's coming to us and he says, I've already got it in hand. I've already got your breakthrough planned and it's coming at just the right time. When you need it, I will be there. When it's the crunch time, I'm going to be there. So you wait on me. You wait on me. You listen to me. You hear my voice. And, and we get in that place and we, we seek to hear his voice. And he, he'll, he'll tell us, I'm coming. I've got the answer. I've got what you need. Let's go on to verse 18. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshipping him. That's our battle position. It might not sound terribly battly, but our battle position is a position of worship. You know, in worship, we acknowledge it's not about us and it's all about him. It's not about what we can do and more about what he has done. We praise him. We get our eyes on him. We focus on him. We, 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 we recognise who he is, what he's done, what he's about to do. And we praise him for it and we worship him for it. That's battle. That's, you know, we, I haven't heard it for years, but we used to sing this song when I was at primary school. I guess it kind of went out of fashion called Onward Christian Soldiers. Do you remember that? Marching as to war. Well, you march as to war by worship. Yes. You know, when um, Israel came back to the promised land after the exile in Babylon, 
the ones who came back, the remnant who came back, were, were primarily those who led the worship, and they came back into the land first. The worshippers take the land. The worshippers step into what God has for them because their eyes are on God and not on them. They're declaring what God has done and what he's about to do. They're looking at God's victories. They're looking at the good things that God has put in their life and they're praising him for it. And when they do that, it has a spiritual effect that enforces the victory that is ours. So our battle position is worship. Let's go on to uh, verse... Well, let's, let's go to 19. Then the Levites of the children of the Korahites, this lots of words, isn't it? And of the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning, went out into the wilderness of Tekoa, and as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, "Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets." and you will prosper. What's Josephat doing? He's reminding them of the power of simply believing God. And as, as believers, we, we have to keep discovering that power and rediscovering that power and reminding ourselves of the power of just believing God. Just trusting him. You know, uh, we call ourselves faith life for a reason. Because life is lived by faith. It, there's, there's a power in believing God. You know, he's given us all that we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him and by his great and precious promises. We believe what he said. Yeah. Yeah. We trust him. With him, things are impossible. Without him, things are impossible. But with him, nothing's impossible. You see, there's something about believing that is a little bit difficult, and that's what I want to focus on this morning, because I want to encourage you to be believers. I, I don't know if you, you've thought this, but we are believers, not achievers. We were never meant to be achievers. We were meant to be believers. And the difficulty we encounter about believing and trusting in God is this, that It's that ability to know God is doing something when we can't see it. There's no problem believing God for things that we can see. You know, there's, at that point, when he's on the scene, there's not a problem believing God. The issue is to believe God when we can't yet see it. And the truth is this, that what we see isn't all there is. You know, we see the natural physical realm, but there's a greater and a, and, and, and a, a, a more um, authoritative realm called the realm of the spirit. This physical realm we see around us came from the spiritual realm. It was created from that place. And the spiritual is more significant than the natural. But we've got trained to look at the natural. And because of that, we need to learn that even though we can't see the answer, God is still working in that place. Yeah. 
Because a lot of the problem is not that we didn't believe. The problem is that our faith and our belief didn't endure till we saw the answer manifest. We don't necessarily have a faith deficit. What we have is a patience deficit. We're an impatient people. And the, the thing is that your, your faith will only go as far as your patience can take you. And we, we, we've got this, this pattern of, of believing God. You know those moments when you really know that God's going to do something? But two days later when we haven't seen anything, our patience is exhausted. Our faith hasn't given way. We still trust God, but, but we've kind of got, oh, it's not going to happen for me. And it's always that it's not going to happen for me. Well, I've got a question for you. What makes you special? Why is it not going to happen for you? Because God said, I'm the same today, yesterday and forever. I'm not a, a what's the word? A, 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 I've, my mind's gone black. Not a something of men. No. Respecter of persons, that's it. I don't, I don't assess you on, on who you are, what you've done and your abilities. This is all about me, my abilities, what I can do, what I have done and what I'm about to do. And so when we go, well, I'm not sure God's going to do it for me because I haven't seen it yet. That's a stupid thing to say because he isn't looking at you. I know that'll come as a shock for you, but God's attention is not entirely focused on your inability to solve your own problem. God's attention is focused on his ability to solve your problem and he's kind of wondering why you're not going along with him and listening to him and hearing him. And the reason is often that there is a wait to see the answer. And sometimes that's a short wait, sometimes miracles are instantaneous, sometimes it's a longer wait. But just because we don't see anything doesn't mean nothing's happening. Because in the kingdom, faith is always before manifestation. Manifestation does not come before faith, because when you've got the manifestation, you don't need faith for that. It's obvious. My body is healed. I have been set free. I have been delivered. My circumstances have changed. My life has changed. I've been saved. Doesn't need much faith once it's happened. So the faith is on the other side when it hasn't happened, when you can't see it. And that's where we trust God. That's where we do what, what Josephat did, which is set aside time, present our need, and wait. There's a, there's a last component I just want to show you here. Verse 21. And when he consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. As they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Set aside time, present your need, wait. What do you do when you're waiting? You praise. Because that's, that's the help we need in the gap between the prayer and the manifestation of the answer. We need to keep our eyes on God. And God's given us something that keeps our eyes on God. It's called praise. So we praise What's praise? Well, let, let me just let me put it this way. Um, how, can, how can I put this so, subtly? 
I don't do subtle. It's a challenge. Okay, let me put it unsubtly. Next time you've got a battle, or maybe you've got a battle now, don't spend that moment in the gap hanging around on the phone, complaining, moaning to your friends, twining about it and letting them twine back at you and tell you it's all hopeless. And yeah, I really understand and and, and all that. And, And we moan and we groan and we twine to everybody we can find. That's not praise. You know what that is? Worship of the enemy. Because we're giving the enemy more credence in our life than we're giving God. You see, there's something about praise that connects us to God. There's something about moaning and complaining that connects us to fear in the enemy. And when we focus and and we just... It's so easy, isn't it? I I do it as well. You know, it's so easy to slip into moaning and complaining about our lot in life. And, you know, you get those really unhelpful people go, well, however bad it is, there's somebody in the world it is worse for. That's not helpful. It's just not helpful. You don't want to know that, do you? you? It's really bad, but there's worse. You don't want to know that. You want to go, you want to go, be there with your eyes on God. And he tells you, yeah, I know it's bad, but it's getting better. I'm working on it. And your answer's coming at just the right time. Keep your eyes on me. Keep reminding yourself who I am, what I've done, and what I'm about to do. And that, that power of praise takes us from the prayer, it through the wait period, to the manifestation. It's so powerful. Praise does a second thing. I, I don't know why. I, I, I think, like, you know, Satan, you, you know, a lot of people, me included, believe that Satan was very involved in worshipping heaven before he fell. You can... You can get that from, from what he said about him in the Old Testament before he fell. But now, praise seems to have quite a different effect on him. Yeah. It seems to confuse him. Like, it doesn't compute anymore for him. And what we find here is that when Israel praised, something happened. Um, go with me to verse 22. Now, when they began to sing and to praise... So when they began to sing and praise, this doesn't happen without singing and praising. Okay? By the way, praise isn't just singing. If you, you've got a voice like mine, may, maybe that, you know. I, I have this, like, understanding that when these, these noises leave my mouth, by the time they get to heaven, they sound different. That's what I'm <laughs> banking on. Now, when they began to sing into praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. The praise of the believers got the enemy so confused that he destroyed himself. His plans were bore the seeds of his own defeat. And praise is something that we... I, I don't know how it works. I'm just saying this is how it works. I don't know how, how it... You know, I, I can't go like, 
step one, step two, step three. You, you, you praise and somehow that interrupts the things the enemy had all lined up and throws them into chaos. Somehow it brings heaven to earth. As it is in heaven, let it be on earth. You know, we sang that this morning. It's so powerful because our praise somehow brings something of heaven to earth and brings the victory of Christ out of the spiritual realm into the physical realm. And part of that victory is the enemy realising he's already beaten, scarpering and sticking himself in the back with a sword on his way of scarpering. Are you getting this? Now, here's the issue. When we have battles that we're facing and and challenges that have gone on for a while, or even just short-term ones, a lot of us don't make enough noise to scare off the enemy. We go silent on prayer. We go, God, I just can't get through to God. I, I just like, oh, oh. There's no gap between you and God. There's nothing to get through to you and God. But if the enemy can get you to keep your mouth shut, he doesn't have to worry about your prayers interrupting his plans. You know, we worship in good and bad. We worship in highs and lows, and we worship and praise the same high or low. It brings God on the same. You know, praise is a... Because I can't sing. See, praise isn't about singing. By the way, I can sing for short periods and then it goes all wobbly. I just thought you'd like to know that because for very lucid moments, I'm brilliant. <laughs> After that, it, it goes. But, I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> it's not just praise isn't just about singing. Worship isn't about singing. You can talk it, you can shout it, you can declare it. You know, not enough of us, when, when we, everything looks awful and overwhelming, we're on the phone talking to our mates when we should be telling the devil to shut up and get out of our life because he has no rights in my life. Yeah. But no, we're on the phone moaning, complaining, twining to each other. And what we should be doing is telling the enemy that he's beaten and telling God how amazing he is and how wonderful he is and how awesome he is and that he's going to win yeah. and that we trust in him. Amen. Come on. But sometimes, I don't know. If, if we had a church that was just like Northern English people, I could understand it because we're kind of reticent and a bit quiet. But we're not all Northern English. I know, you, I know my desire as an evangelist is that you should all become Northern English people. I'm, I'm an evangelist for the North, you know. But, but it isn't. We... The enemy tries to get us to look inside and shut up. Because he knows that if we look to God and open our mouth, he's beaten. Because what does it say there? It said, as they praised, God set the ambush. They didn't set the ambush. God set the ambush. God did the thing that threw them into confusion. It was a response to the people declaring who he was, what, what he was about to do, and how great and amazing he was, and his love endured forever. They recognised God for who he was, and that allowed him to be in the situation and to set the ambush. 
One of the main ways we praise God is talking about the things that he's done. You know, that, that's why we, we often have testimonies. Like we had so, three fa- fantastic healing testimonies last week. And it's really important that we keep reminding ourselves of the things that God has done. Because when you're in that gap between the prayer and the manifestation, the weight gap, what the enemy wants to do is remind you of what God hasn't done yet. There's no fruit in looking at what God hasn't done yet. There's no encouragement. That's why he likes to get us on it. Well, you know, I prayed and, and nothing happened. And, and, I'm just going to be miserable like all the other Christians. It doesn't work like that. The enemy wins when we're in that place. He wants us to not remember the good things that God's already done and instead just focus on the one or two things we haven't seen yet. You know, in in the area of healing, that's one of the main things. It's so easy to focus on what God hasn't done and not learn, see, celebrate, remember what he has done. And, and remembering what he has done and, and, and keep bringing that up and reminding ourselves of it and declaring it not only confuses the enemy, but it reminds us and stirs up faith in our heart to get to the end of the wait until we see the manifestation for this time. Are you with that? Mm-hmm. And that was a long sentence, I know. I need more commas. More commas in my sentences. <laughs> so here's my, here's my challenge for you. How much do you talk about the good things God has done instead of talking about your problem. It's a real challenge. I, I'm, I'm really challenged by that question. I kind of like thought, maybe I won't write that down, that's a bit near home. <laughs> but you know, how many times, how much do we talk about the good things that God has done and how much do we talk about the problem? Because the effect in the way it is very different. Scripture tells us over and over and over again to remember, to recall. You know, that's why every time Israel went in and, and won a battle or took a major victory or crossed the Jordan or whatever, they put piles of stones down or marker points. So that every time, you know, dad and son and, and daughter went past them, we go, you know what happened here? Do you know what happened here? When we crossed here, God opened the River Jordan. We all walked across on Jailand. I was there. I saw it. That's what that pile of stones is about. Isn't God awesome? Isn't he amazing? His mercy, his love endures forever. He's never let us down. Even when we were mourning about him in the desert, he was there for us. He was leading us by a, a pillar of fire and, and, cl- and the cloud by day. And we, and we followed him and he brought us here and we're in the promised land now. And that's what that pile of stones is about. So every time we go past here, son, every time we go past here, girl, I'm going to tell you about that because this is, this is really important you remember about it. That's what, that's what Israel did. You know, they got in trouble when they started focusing on their problems and moaning about God. Every time they moaned about God, they got in trouble, didn't they? And, and it's pretty much the same with us. Because when we focus on the things God has done, it builds faith for the things he's, he's working on at the moment that we haven't seen the fullness of. Let's go to Psalm 42. Psalm 
Wouldn't you just love it if, if everything, everybody was moaning about you, having a go at you, messing up your life? Wouldn't you just love it if they, they all got ambushed by God? <laughs> I'd kind of like that. You know, um, one of the things that, that Cheryl and I have had to learn repeatedly is that the attacks of the enemy happen anyway. Mm-hmm. It might be one person for a certain amount of time, it might be a group of people for a certain amount of time, it might be your boss at work for a certain amount of time, but the attacks of the enemy happen. Here's some rubbish news for you. They're going to happen for the rest of your life because we're not exempt. Here's what the word says. And this is a New Testament word, not an old one. However much you've been lied about, whatever's been said about you, however much you've been undermined, God is your vindicator. He's going to put it right. That's mm-hmm. Romans 12, 17 to 19. God is your vindicator. He's going to put it right. What does that mean? It means you're not your vindicator. You don't have to put it right. You don't have to justify everything. You don't have to solve everything. God's your vindicator. He'll put it right. What do you do? You wait. You pray. You bless the people who attacked you, who lied about you. And you wait and you see what God does. Psalm 42, um, verse 5 to 6. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, and from the hill Mizar. What's he doing? He's talking to God, and he's talking to his own soul. Our problems is when we let our soul run our life. You know, something that that I learnt when I was, I guess, in my early 20s is that um, I think from about the age of 19 through to about 21, 22, I suffered with really uh, massive depression. And it it was hugely difficult. Shell was dating me at the time. She knows how... Look, she's still here. Yeah. Um, She waited. Um, But I really struggled. But when you're in that place, all you you, you think about and where you set your mind on is what's wrong and how, you know, why why is my life like this? Why why can't it be different? Why isn't it something else? What what, what am I going to do? You know, I'm hopeless, I'm useless, I'm a failure, I can't do anything. And, and all these things go through your mind and they just go repeat, 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 repeat. And where that finally broke for me, I mean, I'm cutting a very long story short, but I was at university and one, one day, and it was just before Christmas, I think in my second year or first year, um, would have been my second year, is I looked out the window of the, the place that I was staying and so in the college, and in one of the other, one of the other colleges, because colleges have rivalries. I don't know if you know about that. Colleges have rivalries. 
And so I, I, I was in a, a college called County, and there was a, we had a rivalry with a college called Boland. The, the, these are northern terms, you may not, but these are, these, these are sort of descriptions of God's promised land, you know, like Boland and Pendle and all, yeah, all those sort of things. Yeah, it's just get a bit spoilt when it, you say it's trough of Boland, doesn't it? But, you know, these are God's promised land up north. And, and the college was named after that. And I looked out the window, and this, I think we just had our, our college Christmas party the night before. And, and when I go up in the morning, I open my curtains, and we used to have a tree in the middle of the square in the middle of our college. And Boland had completely decorated this tree in toilet roll. <laughs> like, there was hundreds of toilet rolls. They must have emptied the university of toilet rolls. It was just like, it was just white. <laughs> And, and, and I remember looking at it and smiling and going, you know, life's about so much more than what I'm focusing on. That life is about a God who can take me from where I am and change it overnight. I can go to sleep and I can get up this morning and the world is different. Because I can think different. And I remember, just, I remember saying that to myself. You know, I am not the person that I was when I went to bed last night. I am free of what's going on in my life. I'm free of this. I'm going to trust God from here on in. I'm going to look to him from here on in. And I was speaking to my soul. And, and we, we have to do that. We, we, praise is about telling God who he is, but it's also about telling us who he is. We speak to ourselves and we speak to God. And there's a power in that. So I just want to come back to this, this thing I've been talking about, the gap. What do you do in the gap? Praise. Yeah? It takes you from one side to the other. You speak to yourself, you speak to God. You remind yourself who he is, you remind God who he is. You praise him. And you do one other thing. Go to 1 Kings 18. Verse 41. Elijah has um, had many miracles in his life up to then, but he's still been Ahab, who's an evil ruler, he's still in charge in the land. And... Ahab's told um, him that there's going to be a drought for so many years. And they, they all end up paying for this drought to be lifted and, and nothing's happening. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of an abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. Said to his servant, go up now, look towards the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And seven times Elijah said, go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up to say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. 
Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and winds and there was a heavy rain, so Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, girded up his loins, and he ran ahead of Ahab, who's in a chariot, to Jezreel. How cool's that? Can I, can I have the worship team back up? Please. Um, I want you to see something here. Elijah is in a different place of faith from Ahab and he's in a different place of faith from his servant. Elijah has set aside time, he's waited on the Lord, he's presented his need and he's waiting. Elijah doesn't have any doubt God's doing anything. That's where we want to get to, isn't it? Because even though he sends him up, nobody else can see anything. But Elijah is still saying it's going to happen. And, and he sends him up. And, and the point is, just because nothing can be seen doesn't mean it's not on its way. You know, you, you, you can't tell that right at this moment there is a train on its way from London to Cambridge. But there is. And if I sent you out in... Uh, 17 minutes time, you would be able to watch it go across the crossing at Shelford because it's on its way. Now, you can't see it, but it doesn't change the fact that it's on its way. And when we pray, just because we can't see anything doesn't mean it's not on its way. It's on its way. The minute we pray, God answered. It's on its way. He's got it in hand. He's got a plan and it's coming. It's going to arrive at just the right time. Like that train's going to go across that crossing at just the right time, hopefully. Um, but with God, it will go across the, tra the train line at just the right time. And, and because you can't see, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that it's not there and it's not on its way. Now, as it gets closer, you can hear it. You can start to see it. In the days of steam trains, you would have seen the steam. But... So what happens? As the answer got closer, they saw a little cloud. The size of a man's hand. And we get so used to that, you know, like we sing about it and all that. We miss, miss the, the, the power of this. What's happening? Let's stand. Let's stand up. What's happening? They see a cloud the size of a man's hand. At the first sign of the answer, they declare the victory. The first sign of the answer to declare the victory. We wait till we've got everything before we start declaring the victory, before we start seeing God's hand in it. And that's why some of us really struggle to step into our healing, our freedom, to, for our breakthrough, because we're waiting to see we're a much fuller victory. But what we need to do in the wait period is look for the first signs. Yeah. Look for the sign you got up today and it wasn't quite as painful as yesterday. And praise God for that. Look for the sign that your boss wasn't quite as horrible today as he was yesterday. And praise God for it. Look for the sign that there's a job you can apply for. And praise God for it. Because it pays a lot more than the one you've got. 
And keep looking at the little signs, praising God. Every time there's a sign, praise God. Thank you, God. Thank you that my healing's on the way. Thank you that my victory's on the way. Thank you that there's a cloud the size of a man's hand. But rain is coming. Rain is coming. There's an abundance of rain coming in my life. There's breakthrough coming in my life. There's life coming right now. There's healing coming. And I praise you, Lord. I thank you for that. To your glory, Lord, because you are an awesome God and your kingdom is coming right now in my life. Your kingdom is coming. You're on the case, God. I, I can start to see it. I can start to feel it. I can start to sense it that the kingdom is coming right here, right now. Amen. Let's start to give him praise. Let's start to give him thanks. Start saying the things that he's done for you. Start praising him for those things.